Hi, welcome to the Gospel Fluency Podcast, helping you speak the truth of the gospel into every sphere of life. Welcome back to the Gospel Groups Podcast for Inner West Church. Um, I'm here at the Clock Tower Centre again with my co-hosts, John and Catherine. Hello. How are you guys going? Hello, pretty good. That's great. Um, we're going to jump straight in. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, have you ever had a serious injury? I feel like this is relative. You know, how, was, how would one define serious? Um, so Catherine and I were talking about this before. We went live. Uh, a few years ago, I was cooking a meal for some friends that were about to come over, and I s- managed to slice off, I don't know, maybe like a third of my thumb. Well, mm. not the entire thumb, the fingertip. Had to go to hospital because we couldn't stop the bleeding. Ended up going into shock. And wow. my wife, who's a nurse... Was not impressed. <laughs> In her mind, it wasn't an injury deserving of a shock response from someone, <laughs> but there we were. So that's me. What about you, Catherine? Uh, yeah, I reckon uh, my injuries, physical injuries, haven't been that bad, to be honest. Um, but I think, uh, I guess to go a bit deep, when we were overseas, I got hit by a truck. Whoa. Uh, That's pretty <laughs> serious. It sounds serious, but it wasn't that bad. They <laughs> just knocked me off my bike and I fell to the side of the road. Um, but the serious part of it was that I was pregnant at the time mm. um, and ended up having a miscarriage because of it. And mm. so I think that the, the injury was obviously to the unborn child uh, and also more, I guess, emotional and psychological injury. Mm. That is you, Pete. Oh, that, that's horrible, Catherine. Mm. Um, look, I, I think that I have managed to avoid many injuries in my life. I think that uh, in sports and at school, I was always the person to hold back a little bit, uh, be a bit more wary, and so I didn't get the broken bones uh, that my friends and uh, uh, got around me. Um, and yeah, to this day, maybe the worst I've ever had is a, a cut or a <laughs> Basically, <laughs> we're all that. nerds we're and all nerds. <laughs> haven't Let's had decent sport injuries in <laughs> our lives. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, but we're, we're, we're talking about brokenness in this episode today, which in theological terms is um, uh, we often call the fall, the events that happened after creation with Adam and Eve uh, falling into disobedience and rebellion against their creator God. Um, and as we've seen, um, brokenness is uh, all around us and can be some really, really painful and horrible and, uh, and life-changing parts of life all the way through to fairly minor inconveniences and everything in the middle as well. Uh, Catherine, take us through a bit more about the fall. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I think as we've... Um began i think we see in the world the the products of the fall we see the outcome of a broken world um things around us are broken we are broken um we've spoken about some examples of that in our own lives but there are so many more serious ones we see massive global consequences of uh, a broken environment 
caused by global warming where there's tsunamis and floods and people starving um, and we see the brokenness at a more personal level with um, uh, mental health issues, physical health issues, children being abused, all these sorts of horrible signs of brokenness in our world. Um, and as Christians, we, we don't have to pretend they're not real. And we have the Word of God, we have the Bible that gives us many examples of brokenness and acknowledges that pain and that suffering and that evil that we experience. I mean, there's whole books dedicated to it. We've got a book of Lamentations, which is all about lament, all about pain. Um, we've got Job, where um, Job just experiences horrendous suffering um, and we can read so much about his response to that, his friends' responses to that, uh, and God's response to that. Uh, and there's Psalms. I think um, Kay actually once shared at church just the value of Psalm 88 for those who are suffering, which ends with just, it doesn't end with a great big cry of wonderful hope. It ends with, you have taken from me friend and neighbour. Darkness is my closest friend. Mm. That is um, an acknowledgement of the pain and suffering that exists in this world. Um, and the Bible doesn't pretend that the, uh, the heroes, in inverted commas, the heroes of the Bible are perfect either. You know, we've got Abraham who lied about his wife being his sister multiple times and that got them into lots of trouble. Uh, we've got Lot who slept with his daughters. I mean, that's just a really bad idea. We've got David who committed adultery and murder. These are, these are so-called heroes of the Christian faith who clearly were broken and brought brokenness into the world. Um, yeah, but John, uh, last time we learnt that God created a perfect world, so maybe you could speak to why there is this brokenness and imperfection. Well, I can try. <laughs> Someone's got to be at fault, right? Someone has to bear the blame for things going wrong. Like, that didn't just happen out of nowhere, right? And particularly since the Bible tells us repeatedly in Genesis 1, God made this good. Everything that he made, it was good, right? Um, and so someone has to be to blame for this goodness being spoiled. Um, and the Bible tells us in the next chapter, in chapter 3, that actually... Um, it's this sinful rebellion of Adam and Eve that brings sin into the world. And so, you know, we know the story is quite famous. Even um, people who wouldn't consider themselves Christians, they know the story, right, of um, Satan in the garden tempting Eve and, um, and Adam to, to eat the fruit and to disobey God's commands. And they give in. They are tempted by the fruit. It's pleasing to the eye. Um, and they take it against God's will. And so really, unfortunately, you know, they bear the blame. Satan is to blame. You know, um, Jesus calls him the father of lies in John 8. Um, but also Adam and Eve are to blame because they failed to trust God and to take him at his word. And it explains why our human capacity for good is also matched with our capacity for evil. We see that even in ourselves, and that's really our story, isn't it? That we're capable of both good 
and evil. Hmm. Yeah. One of the ways I've often thought about this is to imagine that if it, uh, that God as the the source of life, right? He is the creator of life, and therefore is the source of life. Um, but we know that relationship when it when it goes bad, that there's a fracturing, right? That happens between but between two people. And um, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they fell into rebellion, they fractured that relationship, and they they cut themselves off to some extent, from the source of life. And that had flow-on effects, actually. Um, it created tension and conflict between um, people and other people and actually caused, the Bible says, a fracturing in our relationship with the creation itself somehow. The, the very fabric of reality fell out of kilter <laughs> with what it should be and how it should be. And so when we, work, we, we use this term brokenness to describe this fracturing that we see all around us between us and God, between us and each other, uh, between us and, uh, and nature itself. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's, the, that's where we see the consequences of this fall in our lives uh, every day. And I think there are some big questions around this which um, lots of people might have. Um, people ask well why did god allow the fall to happen in the first place right why why didn't he just create us to obey him perfectly uh and i think we have to address the issue of free will there had we been created to obey him perfectly as robots then that would have worked but we would have been robots whereas god graciously gave us free will and we unwisely Hmm. chose the wrong thing um, any wisdom to add to that, Pete? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those age-old philosophical questions, you know, like well, why did God do what he did? And, and to some extent we've got to say, well, we don't know in some ways. Like mm. God is, and his, his ways are far higher than ours and his thoughts far, far higher than ours. Uh, but one illustration, I guess, is just maybe from our own experience of um, of having children, um, uh, I don't want my son to just obey me because he doesn't have a choice. <laughs> Actually, sometimes I do want that, uh, <laughs> but I, I want him to obey me because he loves me. I want him to obey me because he knows and trusts and has faith that um, what I say is good for him and the best for him. Um, because when he does that, and uh, it actually builds closeness with us and it's an opportunity to express Mm. love and devotion Mm. and intimacy. Mm. And so it makes a lot of sense, I think, for God to give us um, real ability to make real decisions uh, because he wants us to respond out of our own inclinations um, in, in obedience and in gratitude and love for him. Mm. Um, And that that is actually that creates our best lives when we are able to step into that. Mm. Yeah, I think another big question that it brings up is um, the question of whether God cares and has he just distanced himself from all this evil. When we're experiencing massive suffering, pain, Mm. trauma, where is God in the midst of that? Mm. Um, I want to resist the temptation 
to jump too far forward in the story and just go straight to Jesus. Mm. Um, it could be easy for us to go there, but maybe a good starting point might actually be um, to notice the posture and the behavior of God in the garden, right? So Adam and Eve are in the garden, eat the fruit, feel ashamed, run and hide, and try to cover themselves up. What does God do? He goes looking for them, right? Mm. He walks through the garden like he's God. He knows what's happened. <laughs> he's not shocked. But we get this picture of him walking through the garden, calling out for them, calling them to come to him in their broken, sinful state, in their shame. And he meets them there. He makes provision for them to have their shame covered. Mm. There are consequences, right? Like... There is um, just judgment. There's implications for the choices that they've made um, and they have to bear that and they have to live with that. But just seeing the heart of God there, I think that says a lot about him. Mm. So does he care? He does care. He wouldn't have pursued them if he didn't. That's great, John. Um, what a, a beautiful picture of the gospel, actually, as we'll find in episodes to come. Um, so that's some great content, an overview of the fall. Um, let's move into our section on fluency now. What does this mean for our lives and the way we speak to ourselves and speak to others? And as we did uh, in the last episode, we kind of divided this up into recognize. How do we recognize this aspect of the story? And also, how do we respond to that as well? Uh, do one of you guys want to jump in with some of the things that you recognize yeah, I think a big one is um, <laughs> just looking at the news <laughs> and seeing all the suffering in the world, uh, doom scrolling, looking doom scrolling through your uh, COVID numbers and seeing them go up and up and up and up and up and uh, yeah, all the suffering and trauma in the world. Um, and then responsively, compassion fatigue. I think that's another. Um, place we recognize the fall in the world where we we just don't have enough emotional energy to keep caring about the millions of refugees around the world who are living with so much less than any human really needs to thrive um yeah we all experience this compassion fatigue which i think uh, is a consequence of or um yeah, consequence of the fall. I actually think this is probably one of the um, easiest aspects of um, the gospel story for people to recognize. Mm. <laughs> because I don't think anyone would disagree with you if you said things are broken, right? Um, although, I think you would experience some pushback if you were to say, well, things are broken in you. Mm. Or things are broken in me. Mm. But that's, I think, where we um, necessarily need to start, right? Like recognising that there is brokenness in us. Um, and I think a really good indicator of that is actually our the difficulty that we experience in our attempts to change. Trying to break those habits that are hurtful and damaging to ourselves or to the people around us, the people we care and we love. Um, it's really hard to break those habits. It's like, why can't I, why is it so hard for me to stop flipping out at my kids? Mm. I don't want to do this, 
but I keep returning back to that place. Why? There's something broken there. Mm. You know, I think all of us kind of experience a, a, a frustration of that kind. Um, I think we're always experiencing some sort of frustration of that kind at any given time, really. Mm. Um, and so I think that's something that we can recognise in ourselves and then begin to recognise in others as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, there's this really interesting, I guess, phenomena of human experience that uh, as we uh, seek to like place our trust and hope in uh, in things, <laughs> whether it's a, a career or relationships or um, a, a promise of, of wellness or whatever it is that we might find, and we talked about this in our last episode, the more we entrust ourselves to those things, um, the more we end up doing really horrible things yeah. to try and keep that up. And, and it's almost like in the ancient world, um, people would, uh, would sacrifice like at, at best, like some goats or whatever to their God and at worst, like human beings. Um, there's always something that gets sacrificed, always something that gets paid for the, towards, uh, for the blessing of a, of a God for their pr- protection or whatever. And it, I feel like we just do that. We have that same pattern. We're willing to sacrifice all sorts of things in order to try and get fulfillment out of something. Um, I'll sacrifice for, to, to succeed at work. I'll sacrifice time with my family. Um, to succeed at, at sports, I'll maybe sacrifice bending the rules a little bit and maybe getting caught as we've seen at the Olympics and, and, and any other major sporting event. Um, if I uh, want to get really rich, then I could uh, sacrifice, um, you know, breaking the, the rules of, of our nation <laughs> and potentially getting into real trouble. Like, it will we'll sacrifice all sorts of things to try and fill up this gap to, to heal the brokenness, basically. But it just end up being more broken. And so the cycle continues and um, it gets worse and worse. Yeah, well, and I think you see that we are willing to sacrifice um, the comfort of others so that we can buy cheap clothes, right? Mm. People work in factories, slave labour, so that we can buy cheap clothes. And we're willing to sacrifice the health of our world and our environment so that we can comfortably drive in air conditioning to wherever it is we want to go and all the different things that we do in our lives where we um, seek our own comfort. Uh, and well-being at the expense of someone or something else. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so how should we respond? Mm. Mm. I think one of the really helpful things is that, um, uh, is that the world is, is broken for a reason. <laughs> like outside of the Christian worldview, the world is broken. Everyone agrees with that. But it's broken for no reason. Like, it's broken just because we can't control our environment. Like, things are bigger than us, and um, and there's little we can do about it, actually. Um, the world is just uh, the powerful eating the weak <laughs> and the strongest beating the weak and, um, and just random chaotic forces just doing their thing, and it's all random, and there's, there's, there's nothing further than just our own attempts to get by, right? But in the biblical worldview, at the very least, we can say, actually, no, there's, a, there's an actual reason for why things are the way they are, um, and God isn't uh, unconcerned with it. Um, as we talked about, he is intimately involved. 
and coming alongside and giving space for um, for people to recognize and own suffering and pain and sadness um, and that there's just the very fact that there's space for that and actually as we'll see in the story as we go on there's resources to help us deal with that um, and to see glimmers not even glimmers but um, like hope enter into our suffering and pain so that's, I think one of the things we can do is just allow space for it and not to become crushed or despondent about it. I think in a practical sense, um, we can tend to want to fix things very quickly. Mm. And so anytime someone comes and shares something that's broken in their lives, our inclination is, oh, I've got to fix that. Um, and sure, like, of course, we want things to get better for people. We want things to get better for ourselves. Uh, but I think as Christians, as you were saying, Pete, we've got this story. We've got the resources to be able to actually sit with really intense and deep brokenness uh, because we do have a future, a, a past, a present, and a future hope, actually. Mm. Um, and so I think as the gospel works its power out in our lives, uh, it should enable us to sit with genuine suffering. Uh, without feeling the need to um, yeah, lessen it or dampen it or mm. fix it too quickly. Mm. Mm. But we want to be holding on to the hope that we have in the gospel. Mm. Mm. Um, That's great. Um, there's lots on this topic, and I really hope that as people uh, meet in their gospel groups this month, uh, that they'll... Uh, really have a sense of how to recognize and respond to the brokenness that we experience in all our spheres of life, and particularly in the ones that you are looking at in your group this month. Uh, once again, thank you so much, Catherine and John, um, and particularly this episode for being a bit vulnerable and willing to talk about the hard things. I think that is really good for us. Uh, we'll see everyone next month uh, here on the Gospel Groups podcast. Thanks, Pete. See you later.